Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Deckard. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazers Edge podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Deckard. Dave, how are you? I am doing pretty well, other than it being beastly hot, but I think it's that way everywhere. Yeah, it's pretty warm here as well. I was in Vegas last week, which is why I wasn't on the podcast, shooting for FIBA. Everybody who lives in Vegas was saying how it wasn't so hot, and I was dying. So it is definitely still summer, just about everywhere, I think. Yeah, I go out running every day, and... I, if it's under 110, I'll still do it. And I've been tested a few times. I mean, it's like been 102, 105. I think it was 107 one day. And it's like, oh boy, that's no fun. But uh, it was in the high 90s today, which wasn't bad. But somehow, like it got down to 87 for one day, which renormalized you. And now 97 feels awful. Yeah, if it's more than 85 degrees... I am not outside by choice unless it is in the water. I do not like heat. I am not a fan of the hot, hot weather at all. I mean, it could be worse. And and we live, I live in an area that doesn't get, like, it gets hot here, but it's not, like, ridiculously overbearingly hot most of the time. Um, so, not too bad. Well, Dave, we have a lot of Blazers stuff. You know, it's been kind of slow, but this this week um, and last week since I wasn't here and you guys didn't really do news stuff, uh, I they, we have quite a bit. We have quite a bit of stuff going on. Uh, Blazers-wise, NBA-wise, we are shaping up to start a season up here pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, uh, a couple of minor things have happened, but it, they're major for August. We had more stuff happen in the last week or two than usually happens in in late august so yeah let's get to it like i said i was in vegas shooting for fiba and fiba if you're not familiar is uh worldwide basketball so like the olympic teams and things like that team usa that's fiba so right now what's happening is there's all these different qualifying games that are going on all over so the game i was shooting in vegas was team usa versus uruguay um but these games are happening everywhere and nurk was actually involved in one of these games um and their team took a win and it was kind of a surprise they they were it was an upset a little bit and nurk had himself quite a game uh did you see all that stuff dave i was able to see the highlights i was not able to watch live and uh, yeah i mean you know big dunks and you know going toe-to-toe with uh, a, a bunch of places. I mean, that, I saw mostly highlights from France. I didn't see Uruguay. So fill us in. I there. didn't get to see a lot of it. I saw mostly the stats. Um, but just seeing all the, it, it just, I, it's exciting to see Nurk being Nurk, I think, and just knowing what he's capable of. I think we, you know, we've talked over and over again about uh, how important he is and i think going into the season with the changes that have been made and things like that nurk is somebody to watch again and so seeing him be kind of a dominant part of 
that team is encouraging that that's, I hope that's the NERC we get this season. Well, the big question is systemically, will he be able to? There's always room for him on the defensive end. We talked about this last week a little bit. Jeremy Grant's going to want to be number two. Uh, Anthony Simon's going to want to be number two, presuming Damian Lillard is number one. Yusuf Nurkic is also going to raise his hand and say, I have a claim to this. They're all going to have to work that out. Maybe it'll happen seamlessly. I mean, Chauncey Billups did make sure to feed Nurk last year, but that wasn't always Portland's biggest success story, uh, even when Nurk got everything that he wanted. I'm curious to see how much of a hub he is on offense, how much he's able to get his own shot. Obviously, I think he's a pretty good facilitator for a center, but whether that's really the best facilitator on the Blazers or second best remains to be seen. There's a lot to be worked out. So I don't think it's just a matter of individually whether Nurkic can do it. I think he would argue even will he be allowed to to try. I think that's still up in the air. Yeah. I mean, Nurk is a crucial part of this team, whether he's number two, number three, number four, whatever, you know, he's going to be starting, you know, he's going to be playing a crucial part. And, and we, we're at a place where we need him. He's an important part of what's going on there. So I mean, I, I don't disagree, but for a while, he's usually pretty good, no matter where he's slotted in that. But long term, I think Yusuf Nurkic wants to be a prominent player. I think that he thinks he is a prominent player and maybe he has an argument to that effect. And so when he starts drifting toward the fourth option in the offense, you know, I'm not sure if that's letting him be everything he wants to be. And I am not sure Nurk is the kind of player who long term really will be satisfied with that. So you have this you have this interesting thing. I mean, I, I think it's basically between Nurkic and Grant because Grant is kind of the same way. It's almost a battle between them and the front court, I think, to adjust who's going who's gonna to really be offensively more prominent. If that were it, I wouldn't be as worried, but there's Ant in the backcourt now. So he's really the natural second option. And if Nurkic and Grant are battling for three and four, I, I don't think the loser of that is going to be happy. I disagree. I think that Nurk is here because he wants to be here. I think he's very loyal to Dame. He's made that very clear. I think that he's checked into this season. Uh, I mean, obviously, we're going to see the season hasn't even started. But I expect Nurk to come out and, and do well, regardless of where he sits in, in the order you're talking about. I think we're going to see this. I know that this is part of basketball, and I know that, you know, you can talk about a number one, a number two, a number three, whatever, I know. But they, all those guys that are standing on that court play an important part. And I think that Nurkic understands that this is a team. And I think that we're going to see him playing that way. He made a choice to be on this team largely, be to, to remain with this team largely because of Dame. I don't think that's been a secret. I think that's been made very clear. And if Dame is, is checked in and competing, I think we're going to see that Nurkic will be as well. I mean, fair, but I think that remains to be seen. There's, well, obviously, there's, the season hasn't started well, yet. Well, I mean, there's history there that indicates otherwise. We'll see if we get a renewed Nurkic. We'll see if, we, we'll see if this all settles out. The, the problem with introducing new variables, and the Blazers needed new variables. I mean, there's no way around it. They needed Anthony Simons to step up. They need uh, Jeremy Grant in the front court badly. The hidden issue there is 
you, you've got to settle those in. And it's not as easy as Dave one, CJ two, Nurkic three anymore. But I also think that if the Blazers are winning, we're going to see this settle. I think if the Blazers are losing, then, you know, anytime a team is losing and they think they should be winning, there's going to be some turmoil. But I think that if this team is a team that's winning, they're going to find their spot and they're going to settle. And I, I don't think Nurkic is going to be problematic, I, 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 for lack of a better way of saying that. I, I think everything he's said and, and shown since, you know, deciding to stay has been positive. So I, I think I think it'll be good. Well, I, I think, think the, the contract good. would argue f- the way you're arguing. I mean, he's, he's getting paid no matter what. So that's a good thing. But it's not even so much of an individual personality thing. It's needing to establish oneself. And by the way, Jeremy Grant needs to establish himself I mean, because his contract is up. You know, Anthony Simons is young enough to need to establish himself. Nurk maybe has a slightly lesser need. He's a little bit more of a veteran than Simons is. But I don't think Nurkic has seen the full flower of his potential in the NBA uh, in Portland. He, he, he just hasn't. Uh, he's never been the player, I think, that or been allowed to be the player that he could be. When you've got three guys that really want to establish themselves, that's going to have to be uh, negotiated. So I just I hope I hope Nurk ends up in in a in a fine position for him. I just I think that you know this is this is one of those questions that hangs over the team. You also have to remember that it's not like it was a secret that Jeremy Grant was coming or that they weren't happy about it. Like Nurk's been posting about Jeremy Grant coming since before Jeremy Grant was actually coming to Portland. So and and you have to know Nurk knows this game. He knows these players. He's not blind. He's not not seeing what's happening here he knows full well that jeremy grant is going to be fighting for a place in 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 this lineup that you're talking about like he knows that and he still is has been an advocate for bringing him to the team so i i just i don't think that this is going to be some problematic situation i think it's one of those things that has a way of working itself out i think these guys are going to come out i think they're going to work together i think they're going to compete i think i don't think we're going to see this turmoil that I think you seem to think we are going to see. I think it's going to be okay. Yeah, I don't know. We should ask Terry Stotts. I mean, he he experienced it, I think. But, you know, maybe new leaf, new team, uh, new, uh, you know, last chance. Let's hope that it is new. I mean, I would would be, I'd be glad to see them win, win quickly. And as you say, a lot of these things don't become prominent. You know, I think we're going to know by January or February how this is going to go. And therein, you know, lies part of the issue about how big of a deal this is going to be. Along those lines, the Trailblazers also made a move with Didi Lozada. He has been waived. Uh, This is an interesting move for people who are kind of watching to see what's going to happen. It kind of makes me wonder if they have their eyes on a free agent. It's it changes some salary cap issues. Uh, and opens up a roster spot. So, you know, I, I think it was evident that Didi wasn't going to be playing a huge role this season uh, with the roster we already have. So it, it leaves some room for them to do something else. Maybe they may try to live with two ways, too, because that took them underneath the luxury tax. And, and the luxury tax, as we keep saying, isn't counted till the end of the season. So there's a lot of moves to be made before then. And for instance, if they trade away Josh Hart for a lesser salary or something like that, then that, that adds a lot of you know leeway. 
But I think they, they, they didn't have room for Luzada. They didn't see a future with him in Portland. So there's no need to keep him in that slot right now. Uh, and, and maybe there's a min signing or maybe there's a training camp signing. You're right. That does that. But if so, I think they're going to have to find a way to get under the tax by the end of the year anyway. Uh, but we know that they're, they've got another move in them somewhere. So we'll see how that settles out. But here's the thing is that, again, remember, it's not counted till the end of the year, but it matters more than just not paying penalties. I mean, the penalty on how much they were over is minimal, a few hundred thousand, right? But if you're paying luxury tax, you also don't receive your share of the aggregate penalties of everybody else. It's a redistribution program. All the money that's collected from tax paying teams is divided up among the non tax paying teams as a bonus to them. And so the Blazers wouldn't just be losing out on the, you know, 100,000 or whatever that they're spending for being over. They will also miss out on the millions they get from receiving that bonus which is why unless, you know, they really are in contention and they think a big move is going to finalize their chances, you'll probably see them try to stay under the, the tax level this year. If nothing else, it leaves it open for us to speculate and, and watch for some kind of something before the season starts. You know, when you've got a full roster, you just kind of sit there and wait. So having that open spot at least leaves room for us to hope and get excited about the possibility. Yeah, uneven trade for Kevin Durant. That's probably why they made this move, right? They need to absorb extra players from the Nets, clearly. Yeah, yeah. It's a signal. Lusada being cut is a signal that Durant is coming. I mean, he's been spending an awfully lot of time in Portland. I noticed that you tweeted just about saying. that. Yeah. I'm just saying. I, I will be on the Kevin Durant train, Kevin Durant to Portland train until Kevin Durant is no longer in the NBA. So... I, yeah, I mean, any, any, I obviously know that at this point that's not happening, but I don't hate it. I don't hate it. <laughs> More kind of, you know, off season stuff. Training camp uh, is getting ready to start and they are going to be doing a training camp in Santa Barbara, California, which is just a few hours north of me. So they are taking training camp on the road this season um, heading out to Santa Barbara, which is a beautiful, beautiful area. So that'll be fun for them to get kind of get out of the out of the area and you know hopefully have some nice weather and good practice attitude and atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, first of all, getting out of the fishbowl would help. There's always something a little special when you go away. Like there's no distractions. There's you know you're away from home. You're focused on the thing you're there for, theoretically. Now, if you do it in Las Vegas, maybe a little different, right? But Santa Barbara, nice place. You can eat together. You can walk around together. You can practice together. And there's this sense of unity that just doesn't happen if everybody's in Portland and goes away at the end of the day to families and homes and stuff like that. So, yeah. I mean, I think that that's not a bad strategic move for the roster changes that they've made and their need to bond. Yeah, I agree. And then on top of the, the roster that's already set, Norvell Pell, Jared Roden and Isaiah Miller will all be joining the team as well. So, and now there are, uh, there is a roster spot available. So it's possible that one of them could end up on some sort of contract with the team. 
um, coming out of training camp. So we'll see. Well, if he, you know, can't keep Norman Pell, then Norval is, you know, there you go. <laughs> It'll work. In other Portland news, a couple other things that are Portland related. CJ Ellaby has found a spot in the NBA once again. He is, uh, he signed a contract with the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves seem to like Trailblazers players. <laughs> they it always seems like have. Yeah, it's there's a few teams like that where it seems like there's a lot of turnover. I feel like we do that with the Knicks. I feel like we do that with the Clippers. There are teams that it seems like we tend to switch players with a lot. Uh, you know, their players end up on our teams. Our players end up on their teams. Um, but CJ Ellaby is is headed to the Timberwolves, and I'm really happy for him. I like CJ Ellaby. I think he, you know, he seems like really a nice human. One of my favorite things was watching him and Norman Powell develop their relationship over the last season. That was kind of fun. Um, and so I'm happy to see him stay in the NBA, even if it is not on the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah. Okay. I I hope he succeeds. I mean, I don't. I'm so neutral about CJ Ellaby that it's not even. That was an interesting experiment. It was. Let's put it this way. It was good to see everybody play last year because you got a real sense of what happens with backup quarterback syndrome. And this happens especially on small market teams, especially on teams that aren't succeeding quite to the level that they want to. As the fans go, well, the answer must already be on the team and it's right behind the guy you're actually playing. Last year we saw, okay, when you play all those guys even, you don't succeed. And those guys don't succeed. And uh, a player has to have talent, but also be in the position and system to support that talent and, and role. And Ellaby just wasn't in any of them uh, in Portland, I think. So maybe he'll be able to find something in Minnesota that kind of jives better with who he is and what he can do. Yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping he finds a spot there and, and it's a good fit for him. The jerseys. Did you see the jersey leak that came out? It's it, uh, I, I posted that. Okay, so there's a red jersey. It's just plain red. It has a big black pinwheel on the front and some black kind of striping, I guess, on the sides. Uh, dashes, maybe. Um, lots of talk about this release design. Lots of people not thrilled with it. What do you think about it? Oh, no. This is your, you're the jersey expert. I hate every <laughs> jersey that comes out. So what do you think first? I like it. Uh, I tend to like simple, and this is very simple. I think that's why people said it, it looks kind of like a practice jersey because it's just very simple. It's just red with a black pinwheel. Um, I I love it. I love I love the simplicity. I love that pinwheel. I think it's such a cool logo, and to just have that featured, I think it's cool. It's a jersey I would buy. Granted, there are very few jerseys that the Blazers have had that I wouldn't buy, so I'm maybe not the best judge of this. Well, I mean, you're the artiste among us, so I think it looks like generic. <laughs> I think it looks particularly generic NBA. I think you could put that on the with different colors on the Raptors or the Cavaliers, and it would look about the same. But I understand why there's not a ton of inspiration for Portland in particular, as far as avant-garde stuff or even the really coolest stuff. If you have if you have a super cool design, it's probably going to the Lakers or the Heat or the Knicks. I, it feels like a placekeeper jersey. But then again, look, at the end of the day, the guys in the jersey make the jersey look good rather than vice versa. I mean, except for those classic Portland uniforms, the classic uniforms made everybody look good. 
nowadays it's like okay that uniform looks just as good as the player that's in it yeah i feel like every year a uniform gets leaked and there's complaining and then it comes out and the players wear it and people warm up to it a little bit but my my big jersey question and i feel like i brought this up last season as well because i know we we i know it's something i've been saying for a few years why haven't they done a jersey with roses there's not been one jersey, not player worn, like they did a, a like commemorative one or something like that at one point that had some roses incorporated in it, but the players never wore it. Why has there never been a jersey? I know there's been a lot of noise about a PDX carpet jersey and I'm whatever about that, but why has there never been a jersey with roses? It's been an ongoing theme. I have a, a tattoo of a rose that I got because of the symbolism for I didn't want the pinwheel. I felt like it was a little much, but so I got a rose and it was for that reason to represent the trailblazers like roses and trailblazers go hand in hand. And I want to know why we have not seen roses on a trailblazers jersey. Okay, let's go back to the PDX carpet jersey. For a second, though. <laughs> Do we have that, to? That could either be brilliant. There's about a 3% chance that's going to be brilliant yeah. or a disaster. And, I mean, there's like blue in that. And if you're going to put any blue in Portland's uniform, you better have a huge justification it, for that. It wouldn't be Portland color. I've seen like uh, mock-ups of no. one, and it wouldn't be Portland colors. It wouldn't be Portland branding at all. Second of all, do you know how you choose airport carpet? I mean, I get that it had a distinctive color, and I get that we're all fond of it because we walked through that airport. But you do not choose airport carpet because it's stylish. You are basically well, a step above Arby's in your, you know, decor. And, you know, go ahead. You, and you don't choose airport carpet for clothing. I mean, fair. Although I might have a shirt or two. Never mind. Okay, but yes, exactly. Just because some, just because you walk on something doesn't mean you have to wear it. And no. So anyway, I agree with your roses. And you know what? Go for it hard. Make them fuchsia or pink. Like make the uniforms literally. But see, I I feel like that's part of the draw to me of the roses is it goes with their branding. Like they don't even have to steer out of the branding because the roses could be red, which matches the red and black and white. Like uh, I, I get it. I mean, okay, so black with a red rose, really nice. Okay, like yeah, solid black and a white silver lettering and a red rose, and that that rose bloom just pops. Yes. But I also want to see the pink jersey, the rose, like, you know, I, I, I want to say maybe white, home white, and like pink rose or roses, like in a pattern, I think would be, oh, you do that, do that, because that would be unique and I mean, daring. They could even incorporate that. Take the white jersey with the red and black stripe, and instead of the red stripe, turn that red stripe into pink and red roses, like yeah. a, a stripe full of roses. I think. I mean, there's so many different things that they could do with that right. that or, would be really cool. Or imagine like curved kind of roses or petals like in little patterns around the jersey too. That would yeah. be, that would be super awesome. Uh, and, and maybe we should start this train going. I don't know who is in charge of I mean, jersey design, I've been, but... I've been tweeting about it for two years. <laughs> okay. There needs to be jerseys with roses on them. But we can put this on Blazer's Edge. I mean, we could. Yeah. let's wait for all the jerseys to come out this year. And then let's offer our alternate. And uh, maybe some BE graphic designer readers can mock up some that we would approve. 
and let's have a black one and let's have a white one and let's have the pattern be different on it and let's put this up because yeah i think that would be chef's kiss just yeah rose i'm not sure that any team anywhere has uh roses in their motif well and it's just it's so on brand like it's so on brand with everything with the from the colors to the all the you know, all the the city of Portland, the Rose Garden, and now the, you know, Moda Center at the Rose Quarter. Like, there's roses in everything. And I just don't see why that hasn't been done. Maybe, On that... We could have a slogan. Rose with us. The Rise Wait, with what? us. Rise with us was the slogan, like, Brandon Roy, you know, era. So okay. now, now it's Rose with us. That's terrible English, but I see where you're going with it. Well, no, I mean, it's okay. There's, I honestly think that Portland has so many cool branding opportunities that have been missed. Our producer, Josh, last year talked about the, (laughs) Dave, talked about the Oregon jerseys. He is, you cannot deny it. (laughs) This is not what that pod, this podcast is about. Well, it's okay. We can have a hot Josh podcast. (laughs) We should have him on. We'll put pictures up. Ratings. Hot Josh equals ratings through the roof. (laughs) Yeah. The, the Oregon jerseys from last season that said Oregon, the brown ones. Yeah. He kept saying how cool, like what a missed opportunity to have alternative court that looked like a forest. Like how uh, for Portland, for the Blazers, like that would have been such a cool court. And there's so many different branding things like that that could have been or even like a rose garden Mm -hmm. like that would have been cool too. Columbia River Gorge or the the coast. Can you imagine a jersey that was like up to the, you know, mid-level was like sand or ocean, you know, probably sand on the bottom and then ocean on the top or something. Like, yeah, this natural kind of thing could be awesome and you could run a series i mean if you planned it out you could change it every year for like three years and that would be like the three-year period where they did like natural stuff yeah like there's there's so poor or um oregon is such a beautiful state and there are so many branding opportunities within that that i don't feel like other states really like when you think about oregon you think about trees i do Mm -hmm. um and then you know you've got portland with the roses and everything there are so many opportunities there that really, really have been missed. Well, and here's uh, here's the thing. For Nike, this is all value added other than whatever yeah. cost it takes to create the jersey that's extra. Because, look, your generic Portland uniform that they're coming out with this year, I mean, Portland fans are going to buy it probably, but nobody else is going to go out of their way to buy that jersey. There's no reason to. But if you had a really cool one, Portland fans would still buy it. In fact, they'd buy it more because it was yeah. unique. They'd know it was this year. I got to get this pattern, right? You're not going to lose the Portland audience doing that. But you also gain, you know, 10% of people who just go, that right there is cool. And I'll right. put my name on it. Or I, I right. kind of like the Trailblazers enough to buy this because it's cool. Or Dame. Dame has pull. I mean, you don't find people who don't like him. Like there are plenty of people who would buy a Damian Lillard jersey of some cool, you know, pattern. I mean, roses so. first, and then we'll go for the natural. Once we establish that we are the people to go to for this, then then we'll get <laughs> you know avant garde. Yeah. Um, okay, so moving on, Chet Holmgren. This is such a sad, sad storyline. For those of you who have not been following or don't know what's going on, Chet played in the Seattle Pro-Am, which was not that long ago. 
uh, LeBron was up there. It was, you know, the the crossover with um, Jamal Crawford. Um, thank you, Jamal Crawford. Uh, this is it, it's this big event. There were all these guys coming out for it, and Chet Holmgren went, and he had a season-ending injury that happened while he was his Achilles, right? It's a foot injury, yeah. Oh, foot. Okay. So, but he is out for the entire season. It's been announced, and that is just tragic. Now, this event was sanctioned by the NBA, so he was well within, you know, his his rights to be there. But man, I, I said to to somebody when this happened, if I'm LeBron James, I'm going to stuff like this because at this point, if you have a season-ending injury as LeBron James, it's not. I mean, it, it's obviously it's tragic, it's terrible, whatever. But when you're Chet and your career is just beginning, and these are kind of make it or break it years. That that's such a big risk, and it's just really unfortunate that this is how his career is going to begin. Lots of schools have thought on this. Uh, you established the most important thing that he is insured, and so I mean, as much of a tragedy as this is, that makes me breathe a sigh of relief. If he wasn't, that would be the only thing we would be talking about. I think because I feel for him. That said, for now he's you know going to be all right because this was a sanctioned event financially anyway. So two major streams of thought. One is it's Chet Holmgren, and when you look at him. I mean, Bol Bol is the only other guy who's come in recently that I can think of. The people have said, you know, this guy's going to get injured. And so Holmgren, I mean, there are some people who are saying this is not a surprise. I don't like that line of thinking, but he needs a little more stability, a little more meat on the bones, I think. Uh, and, and this might be an opportunity. Maybe he spends the year bulking up a little bit. I don't know how much he'll be able to do, but... There are definitely people who are not surprised by this, but I will I will go on record that saying, I don't mind the summer run. People are going to do it anyway. Obviously, players get together in their gyms and play. This organized stuff, I'm not a fan. I get why it happens. I mean, people are making money off of this. People are, you know, now they're starting to get the cameras in there. Now it's going to be, you know, this is going to take off and become another cottage league where you see NBA players mix and match in ways you'd never see before, which is attractive. And people get the rub from it. You're going to see August start to be this. And you know what? The season's already long enough. And I know they're not playing full out, but those are a lot of NBA players on that court. And one NBA player tried to take a charge from another NBA player who, by the way, happened to be the semi-truck that is LeBron James. And by the way, if this were a damn pickup game in the YMCA, either Chet probably would have let him go or the impact wouldn't have caused that much damage because your YMCA guy is a buck 85 and, you know, has the muscle tones of pasta. So, you know, it's like, I don't like this. I don't like the commercialization of August. I don't like the, the publicity of the private runs. I'm okay if they do it already, but there's, you know, in private, but, but there's, there's, there's incentive here that wasn't there before that's going to be detrimental, I think. If I were the NBA, I wouldn't necessarily be happy about this side action. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to see some changes to the rules as far as the NBA goes with this kind of stuff down the road, um, especially as I, I agree with you. I think it's going to pick up steam and become a more commonplace thing. I think some of that uh, comes from the social media era that we're in where players all really know each other and all are 
you know, becoming friends. And, and it's not the, it's not the era back in the nineties where they saw each other on the court and here and there and whatever, but these guys are all really connected. They're going to events together. You know, they're, they're switching from team to team. So they're playing with each other and, and they're doing, you know, they're, they're connected through social media and these things are publicized via social media. So they get tons of, of, you know, following from that and, and people showing up from that. Um, I will go on to say that I don't hate this. I think that there need to be some maybe precautions taken, like, hey, maybe we're playing this at 70% versus 85%. Like maybe we're whatever. Um, but there was a there was, I can't remember now who it was, and I wish that I could. The name is on the tip of my tongue. But one of the players um posted on social media and basically said listen if you're a pro get out to these runs and let the kids see you the kids that can't afford to come to an nba game that are never going to get to see you play or you know seattle doesn't have an nba team local kids there that can't afford to go and travel and see these players play this is their opportunity and i love that and i i think that there's value to that and i think that there are ways to do this that that keep the players maybe a little safer um you know uh maybe the guys that are on the end of their career that are in their last years maybe those are the guys that do it uh, maybe you don't allow guys that are rookies who are just now kind of figuring out how to play with the big boys like that i mean to put chet out there who has had very little experience against people of this degree like he played in college briefly but that's different than playing against NBA players. And so to put him on a court with NBA players in this capacity to me, and, and I, that goes for any rookie, you know, these guys are, are new coming into the league. They, they maybe aren't quite there and, and, and also probably kind of feel the need to prove something. And so to me, maybe don't let the guys that are just coming into the league participate in things like this, maybe the, make some rules like that. Those but, are the guys that need it though. I mean, uh, theoretically mm -hmm. they could benefit most. My issue is not, and I don't think there's any way to regulate 70 versus 85%. I mean, nobody, well, nobody will know. No. But here's what you do, in my view. If you want to let kids in that gym to watch you, I have no problem with that. But no cameras, no sponsorships, no publicity and television and stuff like that, because that's what's making... You know, it's not just I'm not just getting some run with people I really like who are of a similar skill level and whatever happens, happens. Now you put a camera on me and yeah. now everybody's watching me. And now, you know, I'm I have to be the star that I am or whatever or the star that I want to be. And that's the element. So take yeah. this, this publicity, take the slickness out of it. And if you want to let people in that gym, make it a charity thing. And if they want to tape on their cell phones or tape, listen to me, if they want to uh, record on their cell phones, that's not the same thing. You know, nobody's going, I got to really show off for these cell phones so I can get on Twitter. You know, let, let the kids yeah. video it. But do not make this a, 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 another summer league thing which is where i fear this is going and you know god bless the people who organize this and stuff like that i'm sure it's a lot of work and i'm sure they put in a lot of stuff and i don't want to minimize that but i just do not like where this is headed and i think it just it just needs to stop and i and, and again i want to reiterate i have no problem with you know 10 15 guys whatever it is nba guys getting in a gym and running it privately that's a different thing 
than we're seeing here, right? Because again, there's your 70%. There's your, you know, whatever that you, you can choose. You don't have anybody to f- perform to. You can choose. You, you can moderate and regulate your game. Yeah, I think there's a I think there's a happy medium here because I mean obviously as a photographer as somebody who does that aspect of things like I also see the value of that. So I I think there there's value in 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 a lot of this. I just think that there needs to be a happy medium here where But, the, but where Tia, the, what value are you getting in August that you don't get in October through May? There's no there's no added value to doing this in August. There's added value to doing this outside of the NBA season in a city where there isn't an NBA team. But you just said photographers. Like well, for, wh- okay, so, okay, so let's talk about that. So for instance, for me, as, as somebody who I, I'm still building to, to shoot some of these people, I have not ever had an opportunity to shoot some of the people that were in that gym. So if I have an opportunity to get into a gym like that and shoot the, I mean, if we're talking about the benefit for me, yeah, there's benefit there because I now have an opportunity to shoot something that I maybe couldn't. I can't always, and me or another photographer who's starting out, maybe couldn't get credentialed to shoot a Laker game and shoot LeBron James before his career is over. But I might be able to get into the Seattle Pro-Am and, and shoot him there or the Drew League and shoot him there. And and those kinds of things, that one photo that is that can set off a, a photographer's entire career. So while I don't think that NBA players should be doing this for the good of a photographer, there absolutely is value there for somebody like me or for somebody in, in the media. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure that that should be the determining factor, but do you, do you want, well, I'm not saying it should uh, be that. Do you want to shoot an NBA game? Do I want to shoot what? An NBA game. I've shot an NBA game. Okay. So you have been able to get in. I have. Yeah. Okay. But it, but, but I haven't shot a lot of those players that, that have been there or, you know, and, and, I, and there are photographers that I know that have been in situations like that at the Pro-Am, at the Drew League, who haven't shot an NBA game. And that's their first opportunity to shoot an NBA player. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I think that there's, I'm not saying that that should be the determining factor, but I am saying that there's value in what they're doing to more than just them and their, you know, sponsorships. There, there's value to what they're doing. And, and this is this would be my argument why it probably should not be done, because if they're getting run in August and it's the off season and this is just to stay warm, or practice or have fun or whatever, that value needs to be lessened because that value also equates to pressure. I mean, there's value in my brand and there's value for this photographer and there's value for this network and there's value for the sponsors. Okay, now what, how is this different from the regular season then? Except for, you know, counting wins and losses. Well, but that's where you have to let them make their decisions. Like they have to decide, is this worth it to me? And that's what they did. You know, they decided, Chet decided for whatever reason that this was something that was worth it to him and he did it and there was risk and unfortunately it ended badly for him and and that's a risk that he was willing to take and and i think that you know obviously these decisions can't always be made for the player like they have to also take some some choices and some responsibility in that as well and and so i don't know i i think you get to a point where you start regulating every little thing and it becomes a lot. I'm not saying, look, I, I think that there are things about this that are problematic. I said that. I'm not disagreeing with that. Um, but I think there are ways that you can do it where there's still value for the people 
that there's value for. I'm guessing that the NBA will at least look at not sanctioning these things. So yeah, if I'm a sure player wants to go, you know, they go at their own risk, which will dim participation probably, yeah. unfortunately. Anyway, uh, let's hope Chet Holmgren uh, recovers. I mean, this has got to strike at every Trailblazers fan's heart. Bill Walton, you know, and obviously yeah. Greg Oden. I mean, nobody who experienced it will ever forget the day that you saw Greg Oden come out of Trailblazers warm-up practice. It was like this. And again, you can bring this up as a counterexample. Greg Oden was injured just with his teammates getting run in the gym. And the people who say Chet Holmgren's body is not ready will probably point to that and say, yeah, this is a Chet Holmgren thing, not a whatever it is thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it strikes at your heart because you remember what that felt like when your number one overall pick went down and then knowing that he would play 82 games in his entire career. Yeah, it's tragic. Anytime a player gets hurt, it's tragic. You just never, ever wish that on anybody. Um, so hopefully he recovers and next season he can come out and, you know, have his have his NBA debut. Okay, here's a I well, here's one. Pat Beverly has been Patrick Beverly has been traded to the Lakers. And listen, there are very few players that I openly don't love. Um, I'm sorry, I'm laughing here because the venom just was just, I mean, the, it was like a Disney transformation into a snake or something <laughs> like that. Ah. Uh, it's just, and I was oh. like, oh, Pat Beverly, that's why. Anyway, go for it. Yeah. So there's not a lot of players that I just openly am, you know, kind of, but Pat Bev has been one that I have struggled with a little. He's been traded to the Lakers. We all know how, how you know, all of us as Blazer fans feel about the Lakers, so this seems kind of fitting. But here's here's the kicker. Uh, Blazer fans aren't the only ones who struggle with Pat Bev. Uh, now one of his own teammates is <laughs> going to struggle with him as well. So Russell Westbrook is still a Laker as of now, uh, and Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook are not the best of friends. Uh, there is some bad blood, I suppose, there. They have a little bit of a history. And so this is going to be interesting. This is, you know, I mean, the Lakers made a royal mess of things last season. Uh, they will admit that. I think they struggled. They didn't do well. And it will be interesting to see if they can recover. I don't know that they can recover to the degree that they think they can recover with this move. I would be surprised if they keep both Pat Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook, which probably means that Russell Westbrook is going to be up for maybe a move. However, problematic Dia, who doesn't come out very often, would really love to see Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook on the same team, if it's the Lakers. Yes, well, not since Hulk Hogan and Randy Macho Man Savage teamed up to be the mega powers was there a tandem so doomed to split apart in a blaze of glory as Westbrook and Beverly I mean there are very few things that you could do to make that worse uh, if Damian Lillard somehow got traded to the Lakers and joined them that would be uh, just about the only thing but look okay so Patrick Beverly in some ways, the Danny Ainge of his generation. Uh, I don't think he's as well-rounded of a player as Ainge was, but he's a better defender. And he's the guy that you absolutely hate 
when he's on anybody else's team and somehow find a way to kind of respect when he's on yours. So, I mean... I just hope he's not on my team. That's all I'm going to I mean, say. yes. Yeah, uh, great. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. Yes, that's exactly correct. As far as the Lakers go, though, I mean, look, Beverly's been a good three-point shooter, but he shot 34% from the arc last year, and that's what the Lakers really need from their guards. So, I mean, <sighs> he, they better hope he returns to 40% and can defend. Uh, this is the problem with Russell Westbrook, by the way. This is a huge reason why he doesn't work there. So I'm not entirely sure that they improved themselves. I think that they basically are going the Bob Witsit route without as much chemistry as Bob Witsit teams had. So it's, it's, it's problematic. That said, they're going to trade Westbrook. They always were going to trade Westbrook. It's just a matter of for what and how. Uh, he might end up starting the season there, but this is not a marriage that is going to last long. So, I mean, I think Beverly is probably the insurance for that. It's going to be something. It's going to be something. I, you know, I mean, you always kind of think like, they're adults. They're adults getting paid a lot of money. Maybe they can put it aside and, you know, work it out. Nope. But... <laughs> we'll see we'll see it's you know if there's if there's anything that i don't hate it's laker drama yeah exactly well and every adult who's ever gotten paid anything knows what it's like to work alongside someone that you can't stand i mean and it doesn't the money doesn't make it easier right so no yeah i mean if they wanted to stick a thumb in russell westbrook's eye they could not have hardly they put a thumb tack on it and then put it in there i mean it would be hard to find uh, a player that would have rubbed him worse so yeah i mean this is this is fun i mean but the lakers look the lakers have a certain amount of uh, i don't know what you want to say hubris uh and also like they're like the guy who's 50 something right now and looks in the mirror and sees a 35 year old you know, like we do this. Okay? It's we're the, we're the opposite of, of people who have body issues. We like literally full focus on the one part of us that still looks 35 and say, we got this right. <laughs> the Lakers are kind of focusing on LeBron James probably and some names on the back of the jersey and going, you know what? We got this. But you know what? When you really hold up that iPhone camera and it's pointing toward you. You realize you ain't 35. And right now that iPhone camera is right on uh, L.A. And it's getting worse. I mean, their their skincare regimen was sandpaper right there with that Pat Beverly acquisition. So let's see how this uh, turns out. It should be amusing. That's a good way to put it. Okay, last thing is good news for the Blazers. Uh, there was some talk about the broadcasting team not traveling with the team. Um, and there was, it, they would have been the only, we would have been the only team in the NBA to not have a broadcasting team travel. Um, there was a lot of outcry about it when it was first brought up. Fans were not happy uh, and made that very well known. And in a turn of events, it has been announced that the broadcast team will be traveling with the team. So uh, I'm I'm glad to see this. You know, I, I think that the 
those people become the heart and soul and the voice of the team. And I think that especially when you're on the road, that's important. It's just as important, if not more, uh, because you're not at home and, and people are watching from home and, and watching them at, in, in, you know, in an away situation. And I think it's, I think it's really good to have the broadcast team traveling. Uh, so I'm really glad to see whether that was because of the outcry of the fans or just a decision that they came to. I'm really glad to see that that's the decision that's been made. I think it's the right one. A lot of streams going into this. I mean, the advantages to Portland, you know, cost savings. But also, I don't think that necessarily a franchise has to see the removal of those relationships with the players and broadcasters as disadvantageous. Because if you remove their personal interactions and their own uh, vision of truth and interrelationship, then all that's left is the party line. I'm not saying Portland thought it out this far, but I'm saying like if you want just generic broadcasting that doesn't get in the way and says exactly what you expect it to say, to say this is how you do it, right? Let's remove them from the equation and let's have them call remotely. And uh, granted, it's only on road games, but that's still, I mean, when do you bond? When do you see people? When you're at home, everybody goes home, right? It's like, hey, good game. Yep. Okay. Heard the press conference. Now everybody goes to their home. It's when you're on the road. It's when you're traveling in that plane. It's when you see people in the hotel that you begin to understand them and you get the more three-dimensional yeah. picture because you're stuck on the road. Eliminate that and you're just going to have generic cookie-cutter broadcasting. And maybe yeah. that's what they want. I mean, the, as Henry Abbott and I talked about last week, the league is becoming more and more like that. Like, just don't get in the way. Who cares about the product? It's not about advancing the product. It's about not getting in the way of whatever it is the agenda is. And this is one way to do it. That said, terrible for the fan. And this is another thing we talked about last week, that the, 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 the service to the fans or the opinion of the fans is getting lower and lower <laughs> as the years go by. It's not about the fans. The league isn't. Anyway terrible for the fans and terrible for the actual broadcasters because if they use the same system they did during the pandemic they literally rent a camera i mean they uh, you know they they get the the view of whatever the director on site is piping out to everybody they don't get to choose angles they don't get to choose replays they don't get to choose who to focus on they just get the feed and then they have to call from an opponent's feed. And I don't know, but I'm thinking the Utah Jazz probably won't be real interested in how Nasir Little set a really good down screen on the offside of the floor. You're never going to see that, right? So you're just set calling someone else's game uh, from a distance with a delay. Uh, it's, it, it, it's not good. Also, I cannot imagine that the NBA would be really super happy as an organization. I'm not talking about the franchises. Uh, a franchise might see an advantage to this, but the league as a whole, having their television product degraded is probably not something they're really interested in since they're making all their money from TV. So right. I imagine there was some mm, hemming and hawing at a larger level. I'm not saying other teams might not be watching and interested in how this works, but I don't. I can't see the league going. It's like it's it's like owning a conglomerate of restaurants, and then one of them is like, okay, we're going to replace the filet, filet mignon with meatloaf. No, you're right. not. Our brand is on that. I think the biggest point to be made is is something that you said about how that traveling 
creates those relationships and and creates just uh, a different view of the players. And that's the kind of stuff that it you can't you can't fake that. Um, and I think that having you know those those kinds of relationships with the players shows up in the broadcast. Uh, it shows up in how open the players are to talk to the the broadcast team. It shows up in the things that they have to say about the players while they're playing. Um, it it makes a difference. And you know, for somebody like me who really enjoys the storytelling aspect of the game and and those kinds of those kinds of bits and pieces about the players, you miss out on a, a whole a whole aspect there if you take that broadcast team off the road. So yeah, again, solid, solid decision at the end of the day. I, I think it's fair to look at your options. I think it was fair for the team to think about not doing it for whatever reason. But ultimately, I'm glad that this was the decision that was made. I think it was the right one. Well, you don't want to be the outlier in this direction. Used to be Blazers right. Broadcasting was the innovators. It's been a long time since that happened. Blazer Broadcasting is probably not that special compared to the other team. I mean, God bless everybody who's working there. We love you, and, you know, we get it. But literally, there was a time in the 80s and early 90s when Portland was ahead. I mean, using camera angles that nobody else did and having, you know, branding and broadcasting that, that was avant-garde. And the league was going, okay, let's learn from these guys. Let's learn from how they direct it, how they shoot it, all this stuff. No longer true. But you can't be an outlier in the other direction. <laughs> you can't like, right, right. Uh, we're going to cheap out on this and see how it works. Okay. And, and you know, the fans, uh, I think the fans did have their say. And I think the Blazers are conscious, especially right now, of the PR footprint. Dame is an asset that... PR asset that they don't want to impinge on, but also they just came out of a lot of PR nightmares, nightmares, and they're still yeah. kind of embroiled in some of them. So I think that they, you know, the fan reaction hit an ouchy spot, and so they backtracked and probably a wise decision. Yeah, and I think that you know, social media, for what it's worth, uh, allows people really to have a voice. And that collective voice sometimes makes a difference. And it wouldn't be surprising to me if in this case it did. Yeah, I think that's probably absolutely what happened. All right. Well, that's it. That's all we've got for this week. Lots more than we've had recently. A lot of things to look forward to. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see what the next week holds. All righty. Well, we will reach that destination together. Come back with us next week. Uh, for Dia Miller, I am Dave Deckard, and we will talk to you soon. A hater sees an opening down the lane, moves towards the hoop, but then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away, saying, get that weak stuff out of here. Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast break the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave comes here an alley-oop. She jams it. Boom, shakalaka. The crowd is on its feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent!